Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 86 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation. My name is Nathan Hirsch, and I'm with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's going on? A lot, man. It's been a busy week at work, busy week in the personal life, um, but you know everything's going pretty well. I I apologize to the listeners and to you for missing last time out. I always feel bad whenever I can't make a recording, but glad to be back. Glad to be talking some Pirates baseball, although wish things were a little bit more positive with the Pirates right now. How's things going with you? Uh, not too bad. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's no problem every now and then when we get a solo pod out. But uh, yeah, it's good. Good to have you back. And um, I guess I wanted to start with your thoughts on what I discussed last week on the pod, and that was Brian Reynolds, you know, request to get traded. What do you, what do you think? I, you only get so much time on this planet. And yes, I'm getting philosophical here to start things off, but I truly mean it when I say you get little to no time to really explore yourself and be the player you want to be in Major League Baseball. Hell, not, even pe- not many people get this opportunity. So when you do get this opportunity to get to the bigs, you want to capitalize on it. You don't want to just spend the entire prime of your career holding out hope that maybe management will build a solid with a solid coaching staff to possibly win a World Series. And he sees Brian Reynolds isn't a, isn't a dumb player. He sees the landscape of the NL Central. He sees the landscape of the MLB. He knows that the Pirates, even with them being on the upward trend with this rebuild, they are nowhere near playoff worthy. You look at, and I'm going to tie in some of the moves that happened this week. The Cubs added a couple players, one of them being uh, Jameson Tyon to their pitching staff. And they were looking like they were going in rebuild mode, but they committed to winning, at least trying to win. The Cardinals went out and replaced Yadier Molina, a generational catcher, with another generational catcher and Wilson Contreras. That's debatable among some, but either way, they're, they're really good in terms of what they can bring to the team. So Reynolds, you know, he's... He's getting up there. He's had a couple of years, a lot of losing seasons. I mean, what he came up in 2019, which was probably probably the most normal year that he could have. 2020 rolls around, COVID hits. Maybe as a player thinking, hey, everyone's got a shot in the 60 win the 60 game season. It's pretty much decreased by 62 games. Let's go out there and win this. Pirates didn't do that. 2021, another year of the rebuild where they were stripping down. Obviously, no winning there. <clears throat> Last year, okay, you bring up some of the young bloods, but by this time, Brian Reynolds has already established himself as one of the best center fielders in baseball. And yeah, you can bring the numbers into it, but just watching him using the good old eye test, which I know a lot of people love using, you can see that he's already established himself. He's feeling it. He doesn't, he's at that point where he's just over it. And considering in 2020, you know, we're heading into 2023 where the Pirates, <clears throat> they gave up a quick impression that they were trying to improve. But then sort of quickly, I guess, let all that optimism fade with the fact that they didn't really try to pursue any decent names uh, in the offseason other than Carlos Santana and G-Man Choi, which were very early on. They stole a lot of time to help replenish the team. He, I don't blame him for being sick of it at all. I think he's, right, he's justified in feeling it. Um, I think everybody kind of pictured that he wasn't going to be here much longer. Um, and... Not to steal a quote from Steelers coach Mike Tomlin, but you know, and to bring the hostages into it, it feels like Reynolds is kind of like a hostage. He's just stuck in a rundown team with no promise or no direction of where they're going 
front office has control over him. So they're not going to, you know, let him do what he wants. He's in a, he's in a really tight bind here. And the fact the frustration is settling in, I don't blame him one bit. And if I were in his shoes, I would have done the same thing. And there's a lot of people out there that, oh, they're, they're mad at Reynolds for requesting a trade. You know, there's no team loyalty anymore. Well, my, my question to them, where's the loyalty been from the other side? There has no been loyalty from the Pirates lately. Yeah, he's the face of the franchise, but he's also the face of a dying franchise. It's like being the principal of a home school. There's nothing, there's no value to it. So Reynolds wants to go take his talent somewhere else and at least wants to try to win. Even if he doesn't get that ring, he's at least in a winning atmosphere, and I think that's what he wants. And honestly, if if the morale is already that low for him, just, and I, I hate saying this because it sounds so, such like a cop-out, Get rid of him. If he does not want to be here, don't keep him here. You know, there, you can probably get in a decent haul while he's pretty good. Now, I don't, <clears throat> I also see the Pirates viewpoint of not trading him now because he's not at peak value anymore. He had a down season, quote unquote, down season last year. So they want to maybe try to see if he can improve those numbers to get a better package. But if we know Ben Sherrington's trade history, we'll most likely get a top prospect that doesn't have much promise and is only inflated because of what he did in the minor leagues. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is I see Ronald's frustration. I would probably feel the same way. Not probably. I would feel the same way if I were him. Um, and, you know, I, I think that if he doesn't get that trade, you're just going to re- see a really pissed off Brian Reynolds. And he'll, if the pirates don't do anything better this off or this coming season, Reynolds is going to want out even more and he's going to make it more known. He, this year he was, you know, he's kind of polite about it, kindly requested it. It's not like he was very belligerent at all, but next year, I think if there's no improvement, he's going to be more belligerent and he's going to drive more of a point to get out. And then he's just going to say, Hey, I don't care. I'm going to sit out. I'm not playing for you next year. Find me as much as you want, but I'm, I'm going to sit out till I get traded. So yeah, I, it's a, it's an interesting situation with what they have with Brian Reynolds. But again, I, I feel his pain and I, support him to a point in wanting out of Pittsburgh. Franchise that uh, is as loserish as the Pirates are, as cheap as the Pirates are. That said, I mean, I don't think the Pirates, as it's been you know reported, they're not in any hurry whatsoever to trade him. And I agree with that. And if they do trade him, I mean, you set your own market value for Reynolds. The Pirates, as you know, bad as it is for Reynolds, the Pirates hold all the cards. Reynolds could sit out if he wanted, but he's under team control for three more seasons. So there's really not a lot Reynolds can do besides play. Um I mean I and and also I don't see Reynolds as the type of player that would, you know, kind of make make a scene or you know, hold out, honestly. I really don't. And like he just seems like he's a hard nosed ball player type. So he'll he'll come and he'll play. But if I'm the pirates, yeah, I, I wait and if I don't get that offer, I don't know. I think it is clear that uh Reynolds will not be extended, especially now when you see some of these other contracts I kinda wanted to touch on too. Uh Reynolds will be a free agent when he's thirty years old. You look at some of these other contracts given out now to 30-year-olds. I mean, Trey Turner, Trey Turner 
29 years old, he got 300 million. Xander Bogarts is 30, he just got 280 million. Um, you know, Wilson Contreras, a catcher, he's 30, he got 87 million over five years. So once it's time for Reynolds to be a free agent, if he produces over these next three years, like he should, there's definitely a world where he gets probably north of $200 million. If he's like a four to five win player over the next three years, which I think even a three to five win player, there's definitely a pretty good chance that he gets $200 million or more. And I think honestly, until then, unless the pirates see a trade package that they like, they got to hold on to him and they just got to maybe hope that the window moves up a little bit. And I mean, I'm getting into optimistic pirates fan right now, but I mean, there's a world next year where if they did keep Brian Reynolds and, you know, they didn't see a trade package that they like, there's a world where at least he's a five, one player. O'Neill Cruz could be a five, one player. And if Brian Hayes could figure it out with the bat just a little bit, he's a five, one player. You got three, five, one players. I mean, who knows? Who knows what you could do? I'm not saying I think the pirates are going to be contenders next season, but they have that core of three players. So we'll see. I don't think Reynolds should get traded unless the other team is overpaying. And that's, that's where I am. You know, if I'm the pirates, they cannot get a Garrett Cole type return for Brian Reynolds. They can't even get a Joe Musgrove type return for, uh, for Reynolds, even though actually Musgrove was, you know, in the coal trade. That's besides the point. The Pirates need a huge return for Reynolds. You can't, you can't say, you can't go on last year's production. You need the whole body of work. You need the 2021 season. You need the 2022 season. And if he starts lighting it up this season, you need to include that as well. They need all-star returns for Brian Reynolds. For three years of Brian Reynolds, that could be, that could be huge for a team. So the Pirates need to definitely stay, uh, you know, shrewd when it comes to trading him. But yeah, I agree with everything you said on his end. I mean, why would he ever want to be here? So we'll see. Um, I guess we can move on a little bit. The Pirates did make some moves, at least. They signed some players, which you can think of that how you will. But the Pirates added to their bullpen a little bit, added a few lefties, uh, starting with a one-year deal with a team option to Harlan Garcia, Left-handed reliever. I think it's Harlan. It's definitely Garcia. He was with the Giants last season. Uh, 374 ERA over 65 innings pitched. Not terrible. Um, cheap cheap left-handed pitcher to add to the bullpen. Definitely an upgrade over Manny Bambuelos, so we'll take that. They added Vince Velasquez, who at Sucks. times... Sorry, what was that? Sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say at times he's shown some... You know, intrigue, he at least strikes hitters out. He was okay last year. If he's a reliever, I'm fine with it. And if he's a starter, then yes, I agree. That's not good at all. The Pirates also added in the Rule 5 draft another left-handed pitcher named Jose Hernandez, who pitched in double-A last year with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, He'll need to stick on the, you know, 26-man roster all season with the Pirates if he wants to stick around. 396 ERA and AA over 38 and two-thirds inning innings. Uh, the K rate, about 11, nine, 11 per nine strikeouts, so that's decent. The big thing with him is walks. He walks a ton of players, a ton of hitters. He needs to control his um, 
you know, pitches, but the fastball is in the mid to upper 90s at times. He mixes in a slider. He mixes in a changeup. So it seems like the Pirates put an emphasis during the winter meetings to bolster the bullpen. So that's at least something. What do you think? I'll, I'll touch on the Rule 5 draft here in a little bit um, regarding the Hernandez pick because I'm sure we'll also talk more about a little bit of the Rule 5. But um, yeah. in terms of the free agents that we picked up, <clears throat> I'm fine with Garcia. We desperately needed a left-handed pitcher because, God forbid, out of a whole pitching staff, no one was a left-handed pitcher because we or the one we had was Banuelos, and we got rid of him, which I feel bad for him because I didn't mind him when he was here. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either. I thought he might have at least earned an opportunity next year, but that's beside the point. Uh, Garcia is a weird character because whenever I saw that we were bringing him in um, – I did a little research on him, and yeah, his surface numbers, you know, in terms of the ERA and record, it's not too bad. 65 innings might have wanted to see a little bit more out of him, though, because I feel like that's kind of a small sample size. But um, it's it's weird because I look on his baseball savant page, and he's in the lower percentile for a lot of his stats. And that it's unusual to see that kind of thing when you put up decent surface numbers. So... I don't want to be that pessimistic guy and say, Hey, was this all for not? Was this a ruse? You know, is, is this, you know, are his, are people taking his surface numbers in a little too far and not really looking up a little bit more, but <clears throat> watching some videos, he's got some decent velocities, you know, breaks, not bad on his pitches. So, I mean, Hey, it's, it's a good little coin flip. You know, if he succeeds great, if not, he'll just be this year's Heath Hembry, I guess. Um, um, regarding Vince Velasquez, I think me yelling sucks and interrupting you kind of is my take on it. I, to, I have, I have a couple buddies that I run another baseball podcast with, and one of them is a Phillies fan. So I yep. asked him for a little bit of a background on Vince Velasquez and <laughs> I, I brought up a little idea saying he's Jared Eikhoff 2.0. Um, but then he tells me that Velasquez is actually worse than Jared Eikhoff. So I don't know how you can get worse than Jared Eikhoff, but I don't like that. I remember when Velasquez was supposed to be, you know, one of these one of these top pitchers in the MLB, didn't quite get there, and then really fell off. He didn't have a great year with the White Sox last year. I mean, yeah, if he's going to be a bullpen piece, like in a mop up role, okay. But then again, what are we really doing with the team to help improvement? We're just kind of bringing in an arm just to be an arm. Uh, doesn't have blinding stuff. In a pinch, he can play left, I guess, because he did that one game for the Phillies. Um, but other than that, I'm not too impressed with it. I don't understand why we couldn't go out. See, this is the thing. Like, <clears throat> We'll go out and sign a guy like Vince Velasquez, who has absolutely no business being on a team that's trying to be on the upward trend. But yet there are pitchers out there in the starting pitcher market when, when, we, when it was announced that Vince Velasquez was joining the Pirates, I don't believe they announced that Jose Quintana was signed yet. And I don't believe, you know, there's just not, there's a plethora of arms out there that are left-handed could be starting le- options. And I'm hammering on the left-handed options because again, the only one on our roster before the rule five draft was Garcia. You had guys like Sean Manaya, who is still out there and Ryan Yarbrough, which for some reason, a lot of pirates fans are holding out for, which I have no idea why he could be all right, but he's not the greatest. But my point is, we have all these guys that could possibly be good for the team. But we go out and sign a guy like Vince Velasquez, who has never proven 
that he should belong on a major league roster. And we, yeah, he's a cheap signing, but at the same time, like he's not an improvement. And, and I'm going to flip back to the Reynolds quote or Reynolds topic real quick. This is the type of thing that would make me mad as a baseball player, especially if I'm a good baseball player, I'm displaying my good talents. And yet the organization's not supplying me with decent, you know, with decent players, especially since the starting point of the off season was bringing in guys like Carlos Santana, G man, Choi, guys who can be good. And then we completely flip flop and almost like sort of go down. There's a downward trend as the off season progresses. It's like, we're not trying to build up. We're tearing down after building back up. I don't understand it. So to see a guy like Vince Velasquez on the pirates, it, it kind of infuriates me because I question a lot. And I, and I probably just throw myself into this whole, you know, this chaotic mindset for nothing, but why is he here? Why do we have him? I know Ben Charrington loves his reclamation projects, and I don't know if this is trying to be a Moneyball experiment, but just why? We could have put that money somewhere else. This is like I'm trying to relate this to a real world scenario, but like you know, it it's like buying something stupid at Walmart, okay, like something you don't need, and then instantly going, man, I could have bought you know all these sheets hot dogs for all these homeless people, you know, just like. A really real-world scenario, you could have put that money to better use, but yet you didn't. This is the kind of move that sends Dave Ramsey into a mind spin. Um, but getting off the soapbox, I don't like the Velasquez signing at all. If he pans out, great. But if he doesn't, then can't be, can't, we can't say that we're surprised. Garcia, I think he's got the most promise. I think he could be a nice back-end piece, if not nice middle relief piece. I feel like they brought him maybe to try and be like the next Will Crow, you know, next next setup man and let Crow be more of a long relief option. But man, I I can't understand the mindset of bringing in Velasquez. If if he's a starter, everything you just said, I 1000%. Yep. Like, why? What's the point? Can we please bring in one actual starter to, you know, add to this rotation? Because, yeah, Vince Velasquez, as far as I'm concerned, not a starting pitcher anymore. But as a as a bullpen guy, I mean, you, you go through it here. I mean, we, the Pirates' bullpen last year was really terrible. Aside from Bednar, I, I'd probably take Velasquez over... I don't know. Like I would take him over Dwayne Underwood Jr. I'd probably take him over Chase DeYoung. I'd take him over Robert Stevenson. Him and Zach Thompson is a toss-up. Uh, I'd take him over Johan Ramirez. I mean, you look at it. If Vince will ask Velasquez, you're just popping him in as a middle reliever. It's fine. It was only $3 million. But as as a starting pitcher, I agree. I mean, there's still time. And there's still a decent amount of starting pitchers on the market. The Pirates need to bring in at least one, at least, at the very least. If we're going into next season and the starting rotation is, you know, Brubaker, Keller, Contreras, we'll say Oviedo, and Vince Velasquez, and or Bryce Wilson, and or Zach Thompson, then, yeah, that's a problem. That is just, that is that's roster malpractice. That's terrible. That is unacceptable. But if the Pirates sign, say, I mean, it's not exciting at all, but if they could bring in a Mike Miner or 
a Michael Walker, someone like that. I like, I want to have some optimism that a guy like Sean is on the table, but I just don't see that happening at all. Or a Ryan Yarbrough. I mean, sure, whatever. But if you have the rotation as, you know, Contreras, Keller, Brubaker, free agent Oviedo, and then your bullpen is, you know, you have Bednar closing, you got Yeri De Los Santos, you got Colin Holderman, you got Will Crow, you got Velasquez, you got Garcia, you got Hernandez. I can at least kind of talk myself into that a little bit. But, yeah, they need to sign or trade for one more starting pitcher at least. In a perfect world, they'd bring in two, and you'd pop either Brubaker or Oviedo to the bullpen. I don't want to get too greedy here, but, yeah, I mean, I mean this, this team is what it is. And, yeah, it does go back to Reynolds wanting to get out. But there are – they are – Bargain shopping this offseason. Even Santana and Choi were bargain gets. I like it. I like having those guys in the lineup as a first base DH combination. But like, let's be real with ourselves. There's there's no there's no splash moves. There's never going to be any splash move. It is funny. Uh you look at the Pirates and obviously they are by far the cheapest team in Major League Baseball. It's just sad. It's sad and it's kind of think, funny to think, what if they gave someone, gave an outside free agent $50 million? Like the city would just, they'd have a, they'd have a party. Pirates fans would have a party. But, I mean, for forever, for as long as I've been a Pirates fan and forever moving forward with the vampire himself, Bob Nutting, you know, leading this team, sucking life and joy out of the city of Pittsburgh. It's going to be 6 million for Carlos Santana, 3 million for a reliever, 3 million for another reliever, 4 million for a platoon bat. Uh, Maybe we get lucky one of these times and someone signs for 9 million, something like that. But you're not going to see three for 50. You're not going to see two for 20 for that matter. You're not going to see two for 26. You're not going to see someone like Jose Quintana, a very reasonable two for $26 million contract. That's just not happening in Pittsburgh. The biggest free agent signing in Pittsburgh history is still Francisco Liriano, three million thirty nine or uh, three years, $39 million. And that was bringing him back to the team. And as we know, he was eventually shipped off in a salary dump. So they couldn't even finish that contract in its entirety. The biggest outside free agent the pirates have ever signed, I believe is still, Russell Martin, two for 16. So I guess, I mean, I'm (laughs) every off season. I mean, I'm just numb to it and it just is what it is. The only hope for the pirates really is if players within the first six years of service time are superstar studs and they bring them back on arbitration. And every once in a while you get an Andrew McCutcheon situation where you totally rip your players off and get a, you squeeze a few more years of free agency out of them to keep them on the team, which sucks to root for that. But that's just the life of a Pirates fan. I mean, the Pirates did it with Cabrian Hayes. We'll see what happens uh, with Hayes. That might be a good deal for him, for all we know, if he keeps hitting the way he's been hitting. But, yeah, the only hope, I mean, 
I don't know. I wanted to talk to talk about Cruz a little bit at the end here in terms of extension and what that would look like, but it's just now I'm on my soapbox. It is what it is. Bob Nutting's this owner and it's bleak. And you got the San Diego Padres with a smaller uh, TV market than the Pirates <laughs> spending $300 million like it's nothing on different players. It's just, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, there's that Moneyball quote. There's the normal teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's the athletics and other teams like the Marlins and the Rays. And you could even throw in the Brewers or whatever. But then there's another 5,000 feet of crab. And then there's the Pirates in terms of spending. So that's just how that is. Can we like also bring up the fact that Ben Charrington literally came out and said, oh, we could spend money if we wanted to. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm glad he had the testicular fortitude to at least tell fans, hey, we don't care about winning. We don't care about you. We don't care about the team. We're really just here to collect a paycheck. But why is that the mindset? We could spend money if we wanted to. Like, PR is one thing that you're taught throughout your life. And I thought he would at least be smart enough to maybe go, oh, we're analyzing options. You know, put a mask on it. But the fact that he literally said we could spend money if we wanted to, a big slap to the face of the fans. And I feel like that's not getting talked about as as much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation at least 7,000 times. And <laughs> it's just like bashing my head into the wall, talking about the lack of spending and what it'll take for the Pirates to win. Um, I mean, all we can hope for is that the bargain bin has some gems and that'll be that. And we kind of, we were a little optimistic at the beginning yeah. of, uh, the off season when the pirates made a few little signings here and there, but, uh, we were, we were cautiously optimistic then as well. We still thought, Hey, I still don't see this team spending more than say $10 million. I remember I set the over under for you. What is the total highest money dollar contract this offseason, $10.5 million. I think we both took the under. So we're not idiots here, but yeah, it's just, it's uh, it's frustrating to live it every day when seeing all these other teams having fun and, uh, you know, the winter meetings were really cool to, to watch. It seemed like the first time in a few years where teams were actually active during the winter meetings, but it just sucks. It's like, you know, it's the Squidward meme where he's up in his room watching SpongeBob and Patrick have all the fun outside. That is the life of a Pirates fan whenever transactions and signings and fun trades are being made. But that's just how it is. Um, let's talk about the Rule 5 draft a little bit. This is where you can get mad at someone like Ben Sherrington. I can't, I can't get mad at Ben Sherrington when he talks about money at all because it's not him it, he's just a puppet in that regard but what happened with the rule five draft i mean i guess i'm i'm not all that mad about it but it was just it was just weird and it was just it just kind of reeked of ineptitude and the pirates tried to pluck a guy that got suspended for 80 games due to peds and they didn't even know it. like that's annoying that's that's pathetic do your job do your research that happened uh, they let Blake Sable go, which I'm fine with. He's, I tweeted that he's older than Kenny Pickett, and he hasn't reached the majors yet. So, I mean, he's he seems like a nice player, but 
The Reds got him and traded him for cash considerations literally an hour after drafting him in the Rule 5 draft, so whatever. The big thing, though, is that, yeah, 11 minor league players got plucked away from the Pirates' system. That's like, I think it was like a Travis Sochik tweet. He's like, it's just, it's just weird to see like 9% of the entire organization plucked away like it's nothing. And uh, I don't know. Did the Pirates not protect enough players? That's another thing. They could have protected more players, it seems. It's just the way the roster management during the whole Rule 5 process, it was just weird and pretty unorganized. And I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm with you on the fact, you know, questioning if they did their research because that's what I was saying the entire night. I mean, there were, and I know these are fan-made lists, but from a lot of people who constantly put out their thoughts on the Pirates, I don't think Jose Hernandez was on anybody's lists. And that I think it was that walk rate that you were mentioning. That, that was the reason why nobody wanted him because he, yeah, he's got great velocity. He has, he's a young arm. He's like a left-handed arm. But the fact that his walk rate is so high, like, like, why are we putting our chips on that? And then we get, you know, two guys in the minor league portion of the roll five. But the big thing, like you said, we let 11 people walk. And I obviously you can't predict the prospects in your organization that are going to get plucked. But this is, I, I think I tweeted it and I even included it in my recap of the chaotic rule five draft saying it's great stockpiling good prospects until it isn't. And this is that this is a shining example of it because you strengthen a farm system, but then it's things like the rule five draft, you know, that kind of come back to haunt you. You can't stockpile and boost the minor leagues all you want without addressing the major league team. And Blake Sable. Yeah, I agree. His loss is I'm mixed because we kind of need that next utility player. And the fact that he was a catcher and outfielder, I think matters a lot, but and I think he can even play third or second. He can play some infield, I believe. But either way, his bat was pretty good. The fact that we could have kept him and maybe dropped somebody. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But we could have you know, dropped somebody to make room for him. And we did. One of the meh pitchers on the roster. Like, yeah. pick a pick. But and yeah, I agree. you know, going to the minor league part of the Rule 5 draft, I don't know if you saw this, Nate, but I, I think you get 38 slots to protect players with. The Pirates used, I believe, only 31, and that was according to John Drecker, which kudos to him for looking that out. But we left seven spots open. We could have easily protected guys like Trey Mago, who I think is the biggest loss in this Rule 5 draft. Not many people like him or follow him religiously, but considering he grew up next to me, I know a lot about him, and I know what he can bring, and I've even seen him in Altoona. Um, that's a monumental loss. We lost a guy like... Um, Austin Roberts, who was, who, who was finding his stride in the middle of a relief um, with the Altoona curve last season. Joe Jakes is a low-key, great sidearm, left-handed pitcher, but we let him walk. And then the plethora of guys from single A, both low to high A, that we just let go. Emmanuel Mejia, he was the top reliever for 2021 in the organization. Why was he not protected? My whole thought process is Ben Charrington woke up yesterday morning, looked at his little like – I feel like he's got like a little uh, – those calendars next to your bed with like a quirky saying on it. And he read the joke, chuckled to himself a little bit, sat on the side of his bed, and then wait, went, or went, wait, what day is it? And he remembers, 
oh shit, it's the rule five draft day. I have nothing prepared. I didn't do anything. Like, it's almost like he just did not do his homework. It's like a high school kid who woke up for an exam and just completely forgot that he even had it, walked in and said, well, just going to do what I can here. And that's exactly what happened. And now we lost 11 minor league prospects. I'm not here to say that all of them were going to be the next top thing in the MLB. In fact, probably one, if that would probably break it big, but the fact that we're, we didn't even give them a chance to try and excel through the organization. We kind of just like let it out there like a buffet for all the teams to pick from. And you kind of get the feeling that other teams see what Ben Charrington has done to replenish the farm system and go, Hey, this guy's a sucker. We can do this. We can bring in some of his talent and we don't even have to, you know, trade our top guys for him. We can take alternative routes like the rule five draft, which in retrospect has provided some really good baseball players. And I know this comes from the major league portion, but one even went to the pirates back in the sixties. That's beside the point. The thing is Ben Sherrington did not do his homework at all on this. He can come out and say, Oh, you know, all these guys are really good. We had to decide on who we keep, you know, but in the end, it's just a bad stroke of luck. No, Ben, because if it wasn't, if you, if you would have done your homework and actually protected some of these guys and filled all 38 slots, we'd be talking a whole different story. We would, that's when we would as fans say, Oh, you know, that was just a stroke of luck. Other teams see the farm system and you know, they just, it's just a thing, a weird force of nature, I guess that all these players got picked. No, you deliberately let these guys out there for these, for these teams to get. And so now what happens? Are we going to go out and just sign a bunch of people to minor league contracts? Are we, are we just going to try to boost people up from like the um, DSL or Florida Gulf coast league? What are we going to do to make sure that these places are replenished? I have zero idea, but the fact that we let all of these quality players go, that that's just a step in the wrong direction for Ben Charrington. And what's, I think what makes me the like the most mad about this, Ben Charrington has been high on getting all of these, you know, the, these potential greats in terms of prospects. He's been high up on doing this. That's been his MO since taking office. And yet he just lets these guys go. I, I guess I'm more confused than I am mad because it just, it just doesn't strike. It doesn't sit well with me that a general manager who is high on prospects deliberately doesn't try to retain some of these guys. I, I don't, I don't know. It just baffles me. Kudos to the other teams who selected them. They did their homework. They know what the pirate system has, but just if you're, how can you live with yourself? If you're Ben Sherrington and not trying to protect at least some of these guys to fill all 38 slots, it just baffles. Yeah. I think confusing is the right word. And um, like you said, I mean, who knows if any of these players will even work out long-term or what will happen with them. But yeah, I think it just speaks to the larger point of disorganization, ineptitude, whatever word you want to use. I will say in terms of replenishment in the organization, the Pirates do have some international, you know, signings that need playing time, some draft picks that will need playing time. So those slots will be filled, but you know, overflowing the system, that's a problem in itself. If, if there was no, if there wasn't enough playing time for all of the minor league players, then like, why aren't we trying to maybe package some in, in some sort of trade to help the major league team? Like, why, why do these players have to be let go for absolutely no reason? That's, 
that's where the value's lost. And, and I'm not here to tell you that, you know, they lost some top prospects or whatever, but the fact that all of these players left this specific organization to go to other teams for free <laughs> when we're already, you know, not spending money at all, like we are the cheap organization, giving away players for free is not something that this this organization, it's just, they can't be doing that. It's a terrible look and it's just another classic Pirates thing. This definitely more on Ben Sherrington than ownership in this specific case. But yeah, it's just, it's annoying. It's classic. And uh, things like that can't really happen for teams like the Pirates who need to be, you know, locked in a thousand percent of the time because they can't cover up mistakes with a pile of cash. So it's just classic Pirates. But uh, I don't know. Did you have any more thoughts on that before we move on to to the last thing? I just hope he does something great to replenish this and make it look a little bit better because right now he's on the negative side with me at least. Yeah, that's fair. All right, last thing I wanted to talk about, and it kind of relates to the huge, crazy contracts that we've been seeing um, in MLB free agency thus far. Obviously, Aaron Judge got $360 million, Trey Turner, $300 million, Xander Bogarts, $280 million. It got me thinking, it seems like the Brian Reynolds extension talks, I feel like that ship has long sailed. And after seeing free agency this season, I feel like that's the nail in the coffin. Uh, The Pirates will either trade him or he will be gone in three years. Who knows what will happen, but... You know, Cabrian Hayes is locked up. That's good. You look at this roster, the other player that needs to be an absolute priority to lock up long-term, it's O'Neal Cruz. And it's funny, he's got six years of control, so this isn't like he's not going to be a free agent anytime soon. But if you want to make him a pirate for life or at least for a decade – the time is now to talk contract extension. And when you look at similar contracts, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. got his ginormous deal. He had already won an MVP. So you can't really compare, you know, output on the field with his contract, which I believe was 13 years, 300 something million dollars. I don't think Cruz is getting that because obviously he's only played half a season and he's, you know, he's yet to be a super duper star. He's shown flashes, it looks like he's going to be really great, but you know, he still has to do it. But I look at a contract like Wander Franco, which was signed last winter. He got 11 years, $182 million that bought out, I believe uh, what five years of free agency um, where, you know, he's going to be on the raise. One of those teams that doesn't spend money, One of those small market fringy teams like the Pirates, stingy fringy teams, they gave him that bag. I don't think the Pirates are going to do it. I think the Pirates are going to miss out. And personally, I think O'Neill Cruz is going to have a great season. And by this time next year, it will already have been too late. But if I'm the Pirates, I I give O'Neill Cruz – I offer him 12 years, $200 million yesterday. And 
<laughs> I mean, that's easy for me to say because it's not my investment. But even if he sucks, I don't even care. I don't even care. It could set the franchise back a decade if it doesn't work out. But I don't know. I think for a team like the Pirates, you have to take a chance on a player like Cruz to, to lock him up as long as humanly possible. You have to give him the Wander Franco type deal. I don't think the Pirates will, but uh, I, it's just, I think the, the larger point here is that the clock is starting earlier and earlier for these young studs. And if you want to keep them for more than six years, the time, the time of the Andrew McCutcheon six for 59, that is long gone. And honestly, I think the time of the Cabrian Hayes, eight for 70. I don't think we're going to see that many more of those types of contracts. So, I mean, I don't know what you think, but Cruz needs to be a priority. Yeah, he does. And I'm going to take it one step further and say he needs to be a priority before he gets picked up by Scott Boris, because I have a funny (laughs) feeling that if we don't extend him to that Wander Franco-esque extension, Boris is going to gobble him up. You you said it. If even if he sucks and sets the franchise back a decade, like normally we'd be mad about that. You know, that's like wasted money. But O'Neill Cruz is a different kind of athlete. He's that type of guy where, you know, he could suck, but for some reason he just has that wow factor to him. And I have I don't know if it's because of his monstrous size, his speed, the the things that he's already shown us, the power alone. I uh, I don't know what it is, but you could hate him. But then again, you'll love him at the same time. So, you know, even if the the franchise sucks, O'Neill Cruz is what's going to sell tickets and put people in seats. You know, he's like your golden sheep, if you will. So extend him now before the big fish really gobble him up. And it's almost impossible to bring him back. He needs that type of extension. Yeah, he's got six years of control, but. Who doesn't, you know, who says that in a couple of years he's not going to get a, he's not going to get a, another agent that's going to look for top dollar for him because of his ability. And who knows? If you sign him to that extension right now, or at least in the near future, and he goes off for you over the next couple of years, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about him holding his value over your head to try and make an extra buck. You already have it set in place. So I agree. They, they need to just lock Cruz up, you know, for the foreseeable future and make him a top priority, if not the priority for the pirates and that epicenter for the rebuild going forward. A lot of people thought it was key Brian Hayes. that was going to be the epicenter of the rebuild. No, it's O'Neill Cruz by a long shot. And like I said, you want to put people in seats at PNC park, even during the rough years, O'Neill Cruz is the person to do that. It's his power. He could probably hit 190. He could put up Josh Van meter esque numbers, but still clobber a shit ton of home runs. And people will still love him for it. He's just got that kind of that that on field presence that a lot of people would just crave for in any future. Like you look at it's it's weird. Aaron Judge just got that massive contract. But yeah, last year he was just absolutely glowing with O'Neill Cruz, saying that he's probably better than Judge. That's the this is the guy who just got three hundred sixty million dollars. Saying O'Neill Cruz, who's making peanuts, is better than him. Tie him up now. There's no reason to just not do anything about this. You got six years of control, but lock it up even further. I agree wholeheartedly with you there, Nate. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of Pirates fans would agree. with. Yeah. And I guess I'll end it with this. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Cruz has 
that it factor, that wow factor. He could be the face of Pittsburgh if the Pirates are good and he is awesome. And worst case scenario, if they don't do anything, if they're awful for the next two, three seasons, then we just have a much worse, crazier version of what we have with Brian Reynolds now where three years from now, Cruz is asking for a trade out and it's an uncomfortable situation and the Pirates kind of, you know, they their hands are tied. They have to trade him. They have to either wait until he's a free agent. I don't know. It's just the MLB, MLB is just so different now economically than it was even five years ago. Young players are getting the absolute bag early in their careers. And the Pirates, like, I mean, the clock for small market teams is technically six years, but I would say it's even shorter than that with teams wanting, you know, players wanting traded if the team isn't committed to winning. You see with Reynolds, he's got three more years with the Pirates, but the clock has pretty much struck midnight form already. He wants out. Like, that's it. He's not going to be a Pirate for long. They're going to have to trade him. They traded... They've traded everyone. They've traded uh, Neil Walker. They traded McCutcheon. They traded um, Starling Marte. Traded Garrett Cole, Musgrove. The list goes on and on and on and on. When will it finally stop? When will they finally just lock up their star? Once again, the cloud, the great cloud that is Bob Nutting, I mean, the answer is probably never, but... I don't know when, when, when's the breaking point? I just, I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet. The MLB major league baseball has moved so far past even the pirates BS. You have teams like the Rays. you have teams like, uh, you know, even the Marlins, they've given out big contracts before and the pirates biggest contract ever given out was Cabrian Hayes $70 million. That's the lowest, that's the lowest franchise record contract by a pretty large margin in major league history. So we're not even, I'm not even asking the pirates to spend Rockies money. I don't even need them to spend Reds money, Brewers money, even though all of those markets are pretty similar. I guess Denver's a lot bigger than Pittsburgh, but like that's besides the point. Uh, they just need to, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's it's so far gone. It's so pathetic. Like just, they're at the point, they're at the point now where it's just like, why even have a team? Why even have a team? Like why would Major League Baseball even recognize Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Pirates as a Major League franchise? They're not. But uh, no, the MLB's farm club. It is, but like, I don't know. Give me regulation. Give me something. Give me some consequences to being this pathetic and cheap on the major league side of things. Um, I don't know. That's all I have, though. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, just going off that point, I feel like if this was like the New York Yankees or some team that, you know, the popularity just absolutely flows from, I feel like we'd see some action, but the standard, to quote Mike Tomlin, the standard is the standard, and people are just going to look at the Pirates and just say, well, these guys aren't serious. We kind of know that. 
you know, we could exert energy into actually making them a competitive team, but you know, we have enough cash cows in the league right now. Plus, look at who they breed. They can breed talent that can go keep these winning teams afloat. So I feel like they could do something. It's like Ben Charrington and what he said about free agency. They could do something if they wanted to, but they're not going to. And I, I, the, the constant tripping up between us, I kind of just want to just say that I think it's we keep saying the same narrative all the time about the pirates and how much of a joke franchise they are. We just keep retu- you know, retiring these statements, but, and we, the reason we keep tripping over our words is because we're trying to find something else that we it hasn't been said yet to put blame on the pirates, but really it's all the same stuff. You can put it in, in whatever perspective you want, but in the end, the pirates are going to be the pirates are going to be the same old pirates and they're never going to change their ways unless we get a commissioner that actually gives a damn about the underdog. But that I don't think is. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. And yeah, kind of like you said, covering the pirates, being a fan of the pirates, watching the pirates, it's kind of like walking through a maze and it all leads to the same place. And that's Bob Nutting's, you know, lack of care in lack of pride in, you know, what it means to be an owner to him is very different than uh, I would say almost every owner in sports. But, uh, I mean, that's, that just is what it is. I think now is a good time to wrap things up. Uh, Jake, you got a Twitter for us to follow you on? Yeah, follow me at underscore radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. As always, follow Bucks Dugout at Bucks Dugout on Twitter as well. And we'll have, uh, we'll have some, some more Buckos content. I guess, too, we should mention that the Pirates got – the very first pick in the 2023 draft and uh, they won the lottery. So congratulations to them. <laughs> yeah. I was actually just thinking that I'm like, do we really put the cherry on the shit Sunday with the number one overall pick in the draft lottery? But uh, I, I don't know. We're going to draft somebody under slot and it's just all going to go for naught. but yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. You got I mean, I hope it's Dylan Cruz to, I would say, what is it, 2032 free agent class, Dylan Cruz. Hopefully he is uh, a pirate or the other, the pitcher out of Tennessee. I think it's Chase Dolander, perhaps him as well. We'll have plenty of time to talk draft between now and June, but I thought I would uh, just add that. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day, and um, we'll be back next week talking buckos. Peace out.